Welcome back to the United Podcast for your Friday night pint and match review of Manchester United 2, Sheriff Nil. And look, it could be the last match review for a while. Well, it definitely will be because obviously Manchester United don't play against Leeds this week. Then there is the dreaded international break, albeit only the first one. Usually it's about the fourth international break this time of the season, but it is only the first international break. And then um, we are returning against Manchester City and um, who knows what the season will look like come October because, yeah, next game isn't until October. But hopefully everyone is enjoying their Friday night. A little bit of a late one. Larry had some um, other sporting commitments. Um, Larry, first of all, how, how's your Friday night treating you? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, just watched some rugby league, played some FIFA, ate some corn chips. Can't complain too much. Uh, good Friday night, but I'm here to talk about United. It started with a good morning. Uh, Tom, I've got to confess, I didn't watch the game live, but I did well to stay away from all social media. So I did watch the game as if it was live uh, and, and a pleasing result, it has to be said. Well, that was my next question in terms of you said how the morning did start. I was going to ask, obviously, for those not in England, um, well, or for those in England sort of viewing us as Australian Man United fans, it wasn't just Thursday night football uh, for you guys in the UK. It was Friday morning football and 2.45am kickoff, which is a tricky one. And I do confess as well, I haven't actually watched the full match. I watched the mini match. It's about a sort of 30-minute version of the match and um, on the way to work. And Larry, just your thoughts on the actual match in regards to that. What I call the 30 minutes, uh, the 30 minutes of the match, again, when we get in the 3-2-1 votes later on, I'll have to take everyone's opinion in the live chat and your opinion as well. I think the 30 minutes probably gave me a fair representation of what the game did look like. And it looked a very solid, comfortable Man United with a better team against Sheriff, which you'd obviously expect in regards to the quality we do have and the money we um, have invested in the squad. But it just looked standard and comfortable and for the tumultuous sort of time it is and turbulent sort of nature it is supporting Manchester United over the years. It's kind of good just to have a okay, standard tick off the box and move on. Yeah, the, the thing I like about it was, like you said, it was a professional performance. And if you do like a professional performance from Manchester United, make sure you hit a big like on the video because we are braving it 10, 10 p.m. here in Australia for you to make sure you are getting your Friday night pint. Uh, but you have to be happy with that. Uh, I thought what was interesting, though, was the McTominay halftime substitution. I just wonder, does Ten Hag have an eye on the Manchester derby and is he trying to get Casemiro as much game time as possible? I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, it is interesting because yeah, from what I did say, Scott McTominay is sort of very tidy, but then in terms of you weighing up the importance of plays to Eric Ten Hag at the moment, I'm not saying Scott McTominay is our best player, but in regards to our best performing midfielder in that area, you could say it's probably Scott McTominay over Casemiro at the moment. So half-time game over again, Sheriff. Okay, take him off, give someone else some game time who we definitely need in regards to Casemiro. But um, we'll go to say good day to some people in the live chat. Viking, good to see you, mate, as always. Um, George, yeah, late night vibes. Yeah, it is a late one, 10 o'clock. Not our latest ever. I think the Rafael Varane or maybe the Cristiano Ronaldo signing was potentially our latest one ever, but that was early mornings. Um, but 10 a.m. 10 is not too bad. George, good to see you, mate. Was on the podcast last night. Good evening, guys, or the night before. Um, is this podcast when scheduled two hours um, off the usual start time? Tribute to this morning being two hours off usual kickoff time. Europa League always throws up those weird kickoff times in regards to obviously watching the match here in Australia, it's either 5 a.m. or 2 a.m. I think those sort of Eastern European games um, sort of do sort of play some funny buggers with us. And Chris, good to see you, mate, as always. And Munzee, make sure you do, go check out Munzee Talks on YouTube. But Larry, where do you want to start in regards to this game? We'll get into three, two, ones in a little bit and discuss um, sort of who gets those points. We'll start in 11. 
back four, strongest back four. I think that is a good thing. Now, there was obviously a consideration in terms of the way we saw Eric Ten Hag line up in the first Europa League fixture that it's going to be, okay, this is the tournament where he's going to rotate, he's going to give minutes. We lost that first game. This obviously put more importance on this game. So he has reverted to his strongest back four, strongest back five. A lot of people thought Dubravka might play. De Gea has kept his spot again. Midfield, here we are. Who would have said six weeks ago, Scott McTominay, Christian Eriksen will be our best performing midfield pair. They are. That they played in midfield and obviously the front three on paper. Now we can discuss style and performances and everything. On paper, you would have to say that is our strongest front three. Now, obviously, Rashford and Marshall injury concerns keep them out of there, but a front three of 100 million on the right in um, Anthony, 70 something million on the left for Jaden Sancho and Cristiano Ronaldo up front. You can say this is an extremely strong side. And I'm just, um, just your thoughts on the starting 11. Yeah, I thought it was the, the right 11 to go with. Um, I mean, like you said, referencing the injuries that we do have in the attacking third. I, I've got to say, Tom, you know, if you ask me what's United's strongest front three at the moment, so assuming everyone is fit, I would probably opt to go Rashford on the left, Martial down the middle and Sancho you, on the right. You say Martial, and look, look, I wouldn't disagree with Martial, however... Who's better, Casemiro or McTominay? At the moment, it's McTominay. Yeah, what yeah, what, what, you. what you. gives you the right? Not not gives you the right. But how are we saying? I don't disagree. But how are we saying Martial? If he's do you want to give me, do you want to give me attitude, Tom? The, the late night's got you feeling cranky, does it? Um, look, I say Martial because I look at what Ten Hag likes and what he does like in a in a front man is someone who can link the play well. And I don't think Ronaldo does that. He, he's never done that. That's never been his game. Brilliant, world-class player, and in my opinion, the best player I've ever seen. But link-up play isn't what he's been known for his whole career. It's It's been about himself. It's about putting himself in a good positions and being a threat on goal. And I just think Martial's got the ability. with He's got good passing range, good vision. He is a better uh, close dribbler than Ronaldo is. Uh, and, and I just think if you think of the system that Ten Hag wants to play, he's idealistic, he's idealistic football. I, I think Martial... Ticks, that bo- ticks more boxes than Cristiano Ronaldo does. Now, who's the better player? Of course, I'm going to say the Portuguese. But again, that, that's just my opinion. Yeah, man, look, I don't disagree. My point is more in regards to forget pre-season because pre-season is pre-season. I'm saying Anthony Martial this season, what is, and I'm not saying he's not going to or he doesn't have the ability to. I'm just saying what has he proved to be our best striker this season? He simply hasn't. That's through no fault of his own. He's obviously been injured. I'm just saying at the moment, like we're all sitting here saying Casemiro is better than McTominay. Well, at the moment, the fact is that McTominay is better than Casemiro. So I'm just saying it's a hard one to balance up. Obviously, when all the players are fit and everyone's in the sort of the swing of things, that'll obviously be, we'll have more of a sort of knowledge of what Eric Ten Hag is thinking. Well, in the sample size of what you've seen up front, Ronaldo hasn't fired a, a, a goal during during play. Marcus Rashford's goals have been counter-attacks. Albeit, and his best goals have actually come when he's moved to the left after starting in a central position. I look at Martial, while it's such a small sample size, the way he came on and influenced that game against Liverpool, it's the best performance I've seen from a striker in a United shirt this season. So, And yeah, you can call me biased. Sure you can. And maybe there is an element of that. But I think Martial, in terms of the footballer, in terms of the striker, in terms of what Ten Hag wants, I think fit and firing is our, number, is our first choice. Yeah, no. Look, I, I just need to. I just want to see him back fit, so he technically becomes first choice, and we actually see it in action. Because unfortunately, again, through no fault of his own, he just hasn't been on the pitch to do that. Viking here saying, "I have that original shirt you're wearing, Tom. It reminds me of Stan Keen and Beckham. Obviously, no shortage of um sort of icons who did wear this 
um, famous kit in 98, 99. But sort of, sort of, you just mentioned Yap Stam. I'll start in the centre defence, Larry. Rafael Varane. Look at this big thing. Okay, Bruno Fernandes is our captain at the moment because Harry Maguire is on the bench. When Harry Maguire comes on in injury time, he'll take the armband. So he's the next captain. I have a feeling Rafael Varane is our captain. Like, now, does that mean is he going to be the is he Manchester United's perfect captain leading on forward? Is Eric Ten Hag the one um, sort of placing all the trust in him at the back? I have a feeling in regards to the way Eric Ten Hag is sort of lining up that team and the instruction he's given. Rafael Varane is carrying everything out, almost like that manager on the pitch. And I have a feeling in the back of Eric Ten Hag's mind, okay, there's a bit of fabric on Bruno's arm, there's a bit of fabric on Harry Maguire's arm from time to time when he comes on. But at the moment, the captain on the field is Rafael Varane. And I think, look, he was the same player last season in terms of when a man United, he just wasn't fit. Same person. He just never quite got going. Now, we have a very small sample size this season, what's been six, seven games. But you look at the stats in terms of every game that he started, we've won. Every game that he hasn't started, we've lost. Now, obviously, it comes down to more than Rafael Varane. But in regards to weighing all those things up, I think this season, um, in my opinion, yes, Bruno's the captain. I like Bruno Fernandes. Rafael Varane, he's the leader of this team at the moment. It's a really interesting point you make, and it's not one that I necessarily disagree with. Uh, but I, I've, I've said it to you. I've said it on this stream multiple times, and those who have followed us, would know that I'm a massive advocate of Bruno Fernandes being captain. I think he he ticks a lot of boxes. The same the same statistics that you're referring to in Rafael Varane, well, actually, they're the same statistics that Bruno Fernandes has started the match as captain. When you talk about the, in terms of winning re- returns, um, and Bruno didn't start in the match uh, against Real Sociedad, so Bruno's undefeated as captain this so far this season. Does it throw a bit of a sort of tug of war, a bit of a three way tug of war there between? Rafa Varane starting, Bruno Fernandes as captain, and obviously the elephant in the room, Harry Maguire not starting. Because you look at the stats where Harry Maguire, and again, I don't want to go into bashing Harry Maguire, but the games he has started, we've lost. There's something in that. you know. Um, I, and again, I don't like we say, it's not purely down to Rafael Varane for having positive results. It's not purely down to Harry Maguire for having negative results. But you can't deny that even in the cameos when Harry Maguire comes on, he looks shaky. He's lacking confidence. He just looks, he almost looks like in his own mind, he's just thinking, I can't make a mistake here. And I think because he's thinking so much, he's actually more prone to making a mistake. I feel a bit sorry for the captain, to be honest. I've seen some people taking exception and, and saying Harry Maguire has an ego to command the armband. You know, he's the club captain. I, I have no issue with him getting the armband, whether he's coming on in the fifth minute or the 92nd minute. No problem for me. You know, he's, he's got that title. There's nothing wrong with him getting that armband. His ego is taking a hit already, Tom. I think he knows he has a massive fight on his hand to get into this United side. So uh, did you did you make any uh, – did you have any idea or opinion on Harry Maguire getting the armband? I personally no, didn't. I, I think Bruno – and look, a lot is made of sort of relationships in the dressing room. I think it's quite clear from sort of what we see, especially on the, the visual on the pitch, Bruno Fernandes and Harry Maguire, they look like they're quite good friends. They, they sort of get on quite well. I know there's this sort of – potential tension amongst the dressing room. If you look at the relationship between Bruno and Harry Maguire, they do seem to get on. And I just think it's one of those things, look, I don't have Harry Maguire's contract in front of me. I assume when Harry Maguire wears the armband, he probably gets another 5000 on top of his wage sort of thing. So here's Bruno saying, okay, here's another five grand sort of thing. These things are installed in players' contracts. And I just think it's a nice gesture. It's nothing thingy. I talk about what Michael Carrick, when he was in charge, there was no point in bringing one matter on against Villarreal. But in terms of an appearance fee, okay, I've got another sub to make. Okay, come on. 
doing something nice for someone you have respect for. And I think Bruno Fernandes, while probably wants to be captain himself, he says, okay, technically, this guy's above me in the pecking order. He's on the field. I'll show him my respect by giving him the armband. It's a nothing thing. Obviously, the media will run with it, but um, you've seen how they run with the Ronaldo story in regards to him not taking a selfie at halftime. Like, the, the, these things will happen. But um, we'll get into this in a little bit in regards to George. How is Maguire getting picked for England? We'll get into Gareth Southgate and that England squad at the moment in regards to Jaden Sancho as well. Uh, unbelievable. But um, Emad here saying, um, being benched would have shot in a bit. So I think in, uh, I think he along with Shaw um, now know their days are numbered at United. It's hard to disagree with that, especially looking at Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire, looking at what's in front of them and how those people in front of them are performing. Um, definitely an uphill battle for them. And that's what you want. You, you want these players. I would like Scott McTominay to, as co-founder of his biggest fan club. You sort of want him to be on the bench because that means Casemiro's playing well and that sort of strives both players on. So it is good competition when players who do get relegated to the bench. It shows them that that's where they are at the moment. They need to sort of improve. So I think it is a good thing that Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw... I wouldn't say struggling at the moment, but are down the pecking order because it gives them a wake-up call and it keeps the Malassia and Varane and Martinez on their toes thinking, hang on, if I have a bad game, they've got two England internationals, whether they should be England internationals or not, they're waiting on the bench. So I think it is good and sort of healthy for squad competition. Before we get into three two ones, there and any other points you do want to mention in regards to the game, sort of mentioned this last week, Christian Eriksen. Now, I don't feel... I, I, I don't criticise Christian Eriksen. I just feel... I'm not praising him enough. And if I'm not praising him enough, I feel in my mind it's kind of criticising him. I just have to look at him and have your thoughts on this specific performance. You can talk about his game or just his time at United in general. What I would say, or well, my question I would sort of direct to you is in regards to Eric Ten Hag, the free transfer bringing um, Christian Eriksen in. What was Eric Ten Hag thinking? Like, not in a bad way, but I'm just thinking what was sort of the expectation he was placing on Christian Eriksen? Because I genuinely, and I say this with hindsight as well, I genuinely think he was coming in as Bruno Fernandes' backup. Well, that, that's what I thought it was. He was coming in to sort of play second fiddle to Bruno Fernandes, sort of take one matter, Jesse Lingard's his spot sort of in the squad. He's our key man. Now, has Eric Ten Hag stumbled upon that? So, okay, hang on, the way I didn't realise Fred was this bad, I'm going to play Christian Eriksen here instead. Frankie Dion was going to be my player. Well, I missed out on him. I'll play Christian Eriksen. Or has Eric Ten Hag signed him saying, no, free transfer or not, he's my main man. But just how do you think Christian Eriksen and Eric Ten Hag sort of this situation has unfolded? I think it's a little bit of both. He's clearly looked at him and thought he could deploy him deeper, which which is probably what's caught me off guard the most. Um, thinking he would deputy for deputy for Bruno Fernandez makes complete sense, Tom. But I think there's, there must have been a thought process in in the Dutchman's mind to think I can deploy this guy deeper. I got to be honest, I didn't think Eriksen had it in him. And if you look at those opening sequences of the opening games, the first two games of the season, he was struggling defensively in terms of his positioning. But so was McTominay, so was Fred. So I don't want to, you know, really judge uh, judge him too hard on that. What I will say is, though, you can't deny it. We chased Frankie de Jong for the best part of 14 weeks. So Ten Hag's expectations were to have a Frankie de Jong in that midfield. But I think what he has done is, because we haven't gotten that player... He's obviously, from what he's seen in preseason, he's definitely decided, I can't do Fred and McTominay in the in the heart of the pitch. So he said, all right, this guy can play with the ball. I'm going to deploy him there. And I've got to say, he's taken his opportunity. He's 100% yeah. taken. And this is the thing. The same, the same, if you're a Van der Beek apologist, 
You need to look at what Ericsson has done. He's come in, taken his opportunity. Now, when you're assigning, that's what you got to do. It's not about getting the opportunity. This is Manchester United. You're not afforded 10, 12, 15 games to earn your spot. You do what Ericsson's done. You, you, you start on fire and you demand to be picked every game. This guy looks like he was built to be a Man United player, mate. I know he's 30 years of age. Maybe we've gotten him. You know, he's still at the peak of his powers. He's absolutely brilliant. Just some of the balls he puts in is... He's so good. I honestly, I can't sing his praises anymore. He's brilliant. Yeah, I absolutely love what I'm seeing from Christian Eriksen. If you are happy with Christian Eriksen, as, as sort of the thumbnail does potentially suggest, if you think he's the sign-in of the season, take Erling Haaland out of the discussion. But if you think Christian Eriksen is the sign-in of the season, please do leave a like on the video. Now, Larry, before we get into the 3-2, was there anything else in regards to the match sort of talking points that you want to sort of bring up or any particular players? Just one point on the defence. Um is this the most assured you've seen United defensively yeah. since we won the Premier League? And I'm not saying that this side is going to threaten for the Premier League this season, but this is the most confident I look without the ball from United since Do you it think was... It, oh, look, I, I agree. I don't know. I think it comes from the back four, but I don't know. Is it a, is it a tactical thing in terms of the shape, the way we're setting up, that, that just in terms of a collective, the front three, the middle three, and the back four? I think it is from the back four. I think it's Verano Martinez... Sort of developing a good partnership, Diego Delo kicking on, Malassia being a good footballer. So I think it stems from that back four, but it could be just a collective thing that the managers installed from front to back. I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, systemically, there's definitely been an improvement, even this season, if you look at the opening two games compared to everything that succeeds that. But I would also say that a lot of this personnel has been at the club for a long period of time. When I talk about defence, and I'm sure you would agree with me here, you don't look at the back four, the back five, including the goalkeeper in isolation. I think you always have to look at the midfielders in front of them. I think if because if, if your midfielders leave your back four open, I don't care who you have in your defense. You leave Vidic and Rio open, they're going to concede goals. You know what I mean? So, but what I will say is McTominay and Ericsson are definitely working hard. McTominay, the level of improvement in his game is unfathomable six months ago, unfathomable f- six weeks ago. Um, i got to say, I think Ten Hag has really simplified the Scotman's game. So, you know, a bit of credit there. He's not being asked to playmake. He's purely that's what, being that's what I don't think. Work. And look, look, you don't have to sort of praise McTominay to me. Like, no bigger fan. However, I don't think his game's changed too much. The, obviously, he's improved. He's a little bit more careful with the ball, etc. But he's not doing anything drastically different. I just think the working parts around him sort of... I think with the ball, though, Tom, with the ball, he's not looking for that. And we've seen it. We've definitely seen it in seasons past. He's looking for that long diagonal pass. He definitely does try that at times. I think now his game's been simplified to win the ball back, give it to Ericsson. Win the ball back, give it to Bruno. It's, It's very simple instructions. And because his game is so simplified, all he has to think about now is, all right, when we don't have the ball, all I have to do is win it back. But that's exactly what I mean. He just had to do this. But in previous seasons where we've relied on him or Fred to do everything, he still has that five-metre pass to Bruno, that five-metre pass to Ericsson. But he also has to be relied upon that 60-metre ball or that exactly. driving run. That's so, the thing so I think he's doing. always had this in his game. He's always been doing it. But he's had to do other things as well because of all the holes. Yeah, but what I'm saying is his game is benefiting because he's not having that responsibility. In his mind, all he has to think about is those two jobs because he doesn't have to think about being the ball player, being the defensive enforcer, being the guy who's protecting the back four. He's now got a very basic job, and I think because his brain doesn't have to work so hard, his game's now simplified, and that's why he's flourishing. You know, He's obviously not Roy Keane, but what I loved about Roy Keane in the latter years 
of his because let's not think, man, Roy Keane was so good. I could do a whole video on that. But in Roy Keane's latter years, what he did so well was he simplified his game. He was that he was an enforcer. He was the intimidating factor, the captain, the leader. He won the ball. He gave it a skulls. He won the ball. He gave it a Bex. That's what Keno did. I want to say from maybe 02, 03 onward. Um, and that's what McTominay is doing really well now. Well, if you are a fan of Larry's comparison with Roy Keane and Scott McTominay, as I Not very well am, but please do leave a like on the video. Let me get, let's get that straight. That would be great. But we are moving into three, two, ones, and I will need everyone's help because, as I said, I only watch a sort of 30-minute version of the match. I have to get take Larry's opinion as well on everyone in the live chat. Get your three, two, ones in. Interesting one here. Look, I think in regards to the way the football sort of played out, I do have to put Christian Eriksen potentially top of my list. However, a player we haven't really mentioned, and he's been in for not criticism, but sort of sort of a little bit of a few questions and concerns over the last couple of weeks in regards to Rashford's sort of sort of return to a little bit of form. A lot of people sort of raise their eyebrows over Jaden Sancho. Well, Jaden Sancho looked class and obviously a very good goal as well. So I think that those, those are the two players top of my list. For third, for the one point, could take your pick. As I said, I think Rafael Varane did sort of look very assured. However, how much sort of defending did our centre-backs really have to do? So is it someone else in the attacking third of the pitch? I'm not sure. So at the moment, Christian Eriksen or Jaden Sancho would be close to my two votes. But um, let me know your thoughts and I'll have a look what everyone's saying in the live chat as well. I'm with you on the three points, Ericsson. I think that's, you know, th there's no real debate there. Two points, I agree with you. I think Rafael Varane just, he's, he just tidies up everything. The way we say a, a striker, you know, the way people are, are giving all the plaudits to Erling Haaland for making goal scoring look easy, Rafael Varane makes defending look easy. He just knows where to be. He protects the back four. He commands his area. I, I love this guy. He reminds me, dare I say it, this is the second comparison. Uh, he reminds me of Rio Ferdinand. I, I like. There's a lot of what him and Martinez do as a partnership to what Vidic and Rio He's, do. Just you mentioned the name there, and I'm not, this is a debate for another day, and I'm definitely not sort of casting my opinion because I don't know my opinion. It would lean towards Rio Ferdinand, but I look at the career and I look at the success. Now, we watch Rio Ferdinand every single week. We haven't watched Rafael Varane every single week for the last decade. You mentioned that name in the similarities, and obviously you can definitely tell the similarities between Varane and Ferdinand. At the end of their careers, or at the end of Rafael Varane's career, and you look back, who would be held in sort of a higher regard, Rio Ferdinand or Rafael Varane? Maybe not Rafael Varane's United career, but a career in general. You do have to look at what Rafael Varane's achieved. Yeah. Well, I would say Rio for, for sort of watching him sort of so much, but look what Rafael Varane's done. I'll say Rio, and the reason I will say that is we have to remember when Rio played you were playing against two strikers most weeks. So I think defending was harder. You know what In I mean? In the Premier like, League compared to La Liga, yes, yeah, like three games big, a season. Yeah, and that, that, that's the biggest thing for me. Just because the two centre-backs had to be good. It was two strikers, you know what I mean? Like you got isolated one, much more one-on-one -on -one defending. Uh, i got to say Rio was ahead of his time. If you talk about what the modern defender brings, we say we want someone who can bring the ball out from the back, can ball play, can also you know, command his area, be a good defender. Rio had all those things 10 years ahead of time. You know what I mean? So um, in terms of, let me ask you this, you know, without venturing too far off track, it's a Friday night pint time. We have to go off track. Who's a better defender in your mind though? Um, Yap Stam, for me, the three best centre-backs I've seen at United ever. Yap Stam, Rio Ferdinand, Vidic. Yap Stam didn't obviously have the tenure. But my God, man, he was a beast of a defender. He just, he had everything. He was, he had Vidic's viciousness. Yeah. 
He had Rio's speed. He was a good ball-playing defender. If Yapstam played 10 years in the Premier League the way Rio did, uh, I think Yapstam would be regarded. I, I think in terms of what he showed over his two, three years, I think he would have been regarded as our best ever. But as you say, the tenure um, yeah. does obviously sort of play against him. But he obviously did achieve good things um, outside of United as, as well. So obviously Yapstam in regards to ability and what he did provide, um, it's hard to go past him. But Rio Ferdinand and Vidic in terms of what they achieved, it's hard to sort of look past it. But George here making the point in regards to Varane and Ferdinand. Varane won a World Cup and four Champions Leagues, not even a bait. And that is where I do look at that's what holds Rafael Varane potentially higher. Now, you could argue a bit one's ability. Rio Ferdinand didn't play in that fantastic Real Madrid side. Um, if he did, would have had those trophies potentially. But it is an interesting debate. Um, if I can hear, yeah, Varane is good on the ball and uh, reads the play well like Rio. But back on the 3 2 ones, George has given his 3 2 ones. Ericsson, Sancho, and Delo. So I think we both agreed Christian Ericsson for three points. Um, I was saying Jaden Sancho for two, but he alluded to Varane for two potentially. He's, he's got the goal, Jaden Sancho. Big goal. Yeah. That, that, that's the thing. I, I still want to see more from Sancho, Tom. I, I don't know if I'm being harsh here. Let me know what you think. Get your comments. I think he's fine. I don't say fine in a bad way, but in terms of... Like if you look at the, the stretch of the game, he doesn't really... He doesn't put any fear into the defence. I don't see him attacking his winger in terms of his link-up play. And, of course, the, the, the way that um, the way that Sheriff set up did make that difficult. But just other than the goal, which that sounds stupid because the whole point of playing football is to score goals... He, he just is not doing enough for me. I think he's capable of doing more, and Ten Hag alluded to that post-match. But is he doing enough for – he's not doing enough for us in terms of the excitement we get as fans seeing a player go past by Marcus Rashford running in behind, but in terms of what Eric Ten Hag wants, he's not maybe not doing enough for us as fans. He's, he's doing enough for Eric Ten Hag, in my opinion, which is the most important yeah. thing. Yeah, that, that's that's absolutely valid, and he does open the goal scoring. I, I like I like Varane's performance over the 90s. So – you know, and maybe because I'm a defender, so I always like to lean towards defenders. I could have an unconscious bias here. If someone says Sancho for two points, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with you. Well, look, I, I think we're we're clearly agreeing on. Uh, it looks like it's an Ericsson, Varane, Sancho, but just in terms of what order you want to put Varane and Sancho, I suppose. Uh, I think the goal puts him up there. So we'll go uh, Christian Eriksen, who doesn't have a goal, but um, Jaden, fantastic assist as well. We talked about the performance. Great disguise pass into Jaden Sancho. That's enough for the three points. Jaden Sancho with a good bit of skill and a nice finish on his left foot. We'll give him the two points. And as I said, potentially Manchester United's new captain, um, in my opinion, Rafael Varane. We'll get him off the board with one point as well. Now, before we move on to, I want to t- touch on the England team and they're sort of not looking forward well, to the see, international break. Uh, can I just have a subtle dig at Paul Pogba for a second? What's he we, done we now? Spoke, we, we spoke so long. Well, he didn't do anything, but we, we spoke so long about... Is that, is that the problem? Well, look at what Ericsson has done in the space of six, seven, eight games for Manchester United. And we sat here debating for five, six years whether is Paul Pogba that good? Does he need the right defender behind him? What I would say, and look, I, I agree with the line you're going... Pogba did have six good games for United at times here and there. Like the times he was unplayable, he was world class. Like yes, we didn't get it more cons- like consistently enough. I completely agree, and that's why I'm on Team Ericsson over Team Pogba. But I just don't want to jump the gun too much on Ericsson in regards to placing all this expectation and hope and hype around him. Oh, I'll jump the gun. I'll definitely Paul, jump the gun. Paul Pogba at times. Uh, there was that time uh, when we sort of were going close to the top of the league under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Now again, these were far too small a sample size for Paul Pogba. He needed to do it more often. 
but Paul Pogba did put sort of six unplayable performances in at times. Now that's not yeah, me defending Paul Pogba. Yeah, exactly. So it is Christian Eriksen's start to United has been fantastic and something that I, I didn't expect. I thought it was a good signing. I thought, as I said, it was coming in to sort of take up a bit of a squad option and after six, seven games this season, I was expecting maybe he'd come off the bench two or three times, not start every single game and be our main player. So you have to give Christian Eriksen a lot of credit, but you also have to give Eric Ten Hag a lot of credit for seeing that, trusting him, the club place, and that trust in him as well, because I hate to always bring it up. He does have issues with his heart. So I think the club has um, done fantastic by him as well. So credit to all involved in regards to the Christian Eriksen situation. Ian, good to see you, mate. Evening, lads. Love the kit tonight, Tom. It is a good one. Um, I could wear it all day, the 99 kit. It is potentially one of my favourite kits. Actually, Larry, on that, favourite Man United kit. Just on that, just Ooh. popped into my head. Mine's Man, easy. The, the 95, 96, the black collar. Everyone's seen me with it, with um, Sharp, the stadium in the background. Oh, yeah. Um, are famous for, for being in that one. Uh, maybe because I'm a little bit younger than you, you know, I, I do have a, it's almost lazy. I, I love the, which kit was it? Was it the year we won the Champions League with the white, with the white stripe down the, the down the back? I love yep. that kit. I think why we, well, I think why everyone loves that is yes, because we won the Premier League and the Champions League. It is that one that only sort of good, George makes the point here. Um, yeah. or the blue kit, the old blue kit that was my favorite away one of my favorite away kits. That Royal Blue kit, yeah, 07 third kit, Ronaldo scoring yeah. away at Arsenal. That was um a belting kit. But in regards to that, obviously, there are three, two, ones. Um, is anything else Manchester United related or sort of you do want to touch on in regards to the game? Any talking points or any Man United news before we move on to the absolute shambles that is Gareth Southgate? Uh, I will make one final point on Casemiro. I thought he's. For me, he's just lacking a bit of match rhythm and a bit of match fitness and sharpness. But I can definitely see the the difference when he's on the ball. I think, you know, you can see the upgrade on McTominay there already, even in against, you know, granted, Sheriff isn't, you know, PSG, but you can see the quality he has on the ball. And I've got to say credit to him. I, I didn't think he really had it in his locker time, to be honest with you. I thought he'd have a good touch. I thought he'd be technically sound, but... I thought he'd always be the safe ball player. I never thought he'd, you know, be spraying passes around. And he's got it in his locker. He's got a good passing range. So I think once Casemiro and Ericsson, you would imagine that would be our strongest pivot partnership. Uh, I think once they get settled in, it's going to be a, a, a really dangerous United side. It'll be interesting. It'll be fascinating, the Manchester derby, how he lines that up. Now, obviously, potentially, Casemiro's travel back from South America. Maybe they'll just naturally play a sort of part in the decision-making in regards to picking a team. But at the moment, you I can't drop Scott McTominay. I really do. I really he very do. well could. I, I think what will hold it against him is potentially the travel. That'll be interesting to see when he gets back, what his um, situation is with Brazil. But tell me, it definitely, who knows what he's going to do in regards to that. Obviously, we will do a preview closer to the date um it's too far away now it's in bloody october but actually one person we haven't discussed um really which usually first name on the um sort of topic when we do start a podcast before we get into gareth southgate in england ronaldo's off the ground and running um a goal away in moldova on a thursday night now i don't want to get into a whole ronaldo debate we've had it all before and we're going to continue to have it. it's very boring does he have legs does he have is he sued an era 10 hard system those are all debates we've had and we'll continue to have i just want to talk about just the I don't know, just the feeling around him at the moment in regards to he scored in the Europa League. Okay, it's not the Champions League. It's not where he wanted to be. However, he did score. He did celebrate. My talking point out of the celebration is just in regards to a holistic thing in regards to football. The whole stadium celebrated with him. 
But obviously, they're, they're old over fans. They were there to watch Sheriff beat Manchester United. But the size of Cristiano Ronaldo as the brand around him, they were there to see him. They weren't there to see Sheriff or Manchester United. They were there to see Ronaldo. And they celebrated that penalty like he scored for them. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of Ronaldo's performance, still a lot lacking for me. Uh, and, and again, I, I need to make this point. Sheriff played so deep, it's difficult for a striker in those moments. I'm happy for him, though. You could tell it meant a lot to him to score. I think it, it was starting to get to him psych- yeah. psychologically. So, you know, hopefully he can start banging in a few. And I'm, I'm gutted the Man City game so far away, Tom. I, if that was this weekend... You know what? I know it's early days and we'll obviously do a preview closer to the game, but you can't tell me you're not confident. I, I feel like we can go and get a result. I really do. I really do. What I'm co- I'm not confident. What I'm confident of is not get, going to get embarrassed. I think we go go have a game. I think Manchester City are better than us. So if we have a good game and City have a good game, City are going to win, unfortunately. Um, they're better than us at the moment. But they're not going to go and have 90% possession at Old Trafford like they did last year or they're not going to go smash four or five goals um, like they did last season at the Etihad after Jaden Sancho got that goal. But we'll move on to um, England duties. And um, George makes a point here in regards to Gareth Southgate. Southgate is a glorified Ollie. Ollie gets ridiculed for doing the exact same job as Southgate, but Southgate almost um, gets knighted. English media are weird. My thing here, and look, we discussed Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw a little bit earlier, and Jaden Sancho got two points in our three two ones. I don't know if Gareth Southgate, I sort of don't follow it too closely, does interviews in regards to how he does pick a team, but the noises that does sort of come out of the English media is he's got to pick this team on form. Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw haven't been playing. When they do play, they lose. Jaden Sancho has been playing quite well. Jaden Sancho doesn't get picked. You look at what Jack Grealish is doing at Manchester City. I think he's been playing. I think he's been quite consistent in his minutes, maybe not from the start, but when he does come on, he's actually playing quite poorly. If you listen to the Manchester City fans, he gets picked. And I'm just thinking, I think there was a stat in regards to there was over 10 defenders picked in the squad and only, I think, five central midfielders or five midfielders. And I'm just yeah. thinking, Gareth Southgate, to include Harry Maguire and Luke Short. Now, yes, Harry Maguire does perform well for England in that back three. But ultimately, to pick players like that on form and not to pick Jaden Sancho, look, as a Manchester United fan, okay, good, Jaden Sancho gets the week off. He can go resting, sort of sew himself on a beach and come back nice and fresh from the Manchester derby. But it just makes no sense. And I'm not, not an England fan, and look, I, I sort of laugh every time England sort of do fail. But it does piss me off for some reason, um, some of the weird decisions Southgate um, does come up with. Are you surprised? He's, he's a, he's a oh, I'm, su- I'm surprised how bad this one is. Like, Hamilton and Luke Shaw just haven't been playing. And when they have, unfortunately, <laughs> they haven't been that bad. Or that they have been that bad. And I just I can't get my head around, like, is the England he... manager? Surely he has an understanding of the game that... He's got Tony Poulos vibes, Southgate. I just feel like he likes mediocre players because he was a mediocre footballer. And I think there's a part of him that's like, you know what? I like shit players too because I was a shit player. So I think he just likes to put his arm around Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw and be like, don't worry, lads. I had a mediocre career too. Don't worry. It's not that bad. Whereas he looks at Sancho and Rashford and I think there's a bit of a, a bit of resentment. Well, yeah, Rashford's in there. Obviously, there was an injury cloud in regards to the selection for the Sheriff game, but it looked like Seriously. it's not too bad. My comment's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but I honestly think that there is an element of that. I really do. I, with, with all due respect, like Tyrone Mings, I think he's a disaster of a footballer. He shouldn't be in the Premier League. He constantly gets picked for England as well. Like th- these types of players. Uh, look, I, the only defence I can make of him is he does play with a three-man defence, so there is an argument to say 
you know, you can cover a lot of Harry Maguire's weaknesses by putting two central defenders either side of him. And most of the time in that back three, he does play Kyle Walker there, who's quite electric in terms of space. So, you know, like I say, you, you can cover. And they're not, in terms of quality, they're not as rich defensively. So I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. Um, in saying that in the attacking options, like you say, the likes of Jack Grealish to be picked, Mason Mount to be picked, he started the season poorly. It doesn't really make a lot of sense for me. I think Sancho's been brilliant. I've got, I've got no issue with the manager having favourites. Sir Alex Ferguson has favourites. Pep Guardiola has favourites. Jurgen Klopp has favourites. That's yeah. part of football. But in terms of okay, picking yeah. those favourites, sort of in the sort of straight in the face of sort of sheer hypocrisy in terms of what he's coming out with, and then this player gets well, beat, this player well, doesn't. You tell me if Man United's stronger side versus the England side, who wins? I think. Oh, well, it's hard to go through. That's United a good question. United would beat England. That is a good question at the moment. I'm trying to weigh that up. Usually, I would always say the club team, whatever um, club team against whatever national team, because they're training every week together. There's no sort of limitations. Obviously, the investment can come in. You're not restricted to nationality. So nine times out of ten, I will always say the club team. I'm just thinking now in this last Montreal six weeks. Yes, Maguire would be filthy. <laughs> okay, that, yeah. This last six weeks, I'll definitely go Manchester United. But over the last couple of years, in terms of England making Euro finals and World Cup semi finals over what Manchester United have produced, I'd maybe yeah. actually say England. But look, I, 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 I take your point though. I take your point though. If I'm Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford, don't take it personal, man. Honestly, don't take it personal. I understand the want to represent your country, particularly with the World Cup right around the corner. But the World Cup squads are pretty big. I imagine both those lads will be on the on the plane to Qatar. I'd be surprised. Would well, you say you're shocked? Were you saying my shock when Gareth Southgate did this? I, I would be. I wouldn't be shocked if um, one of them missed that. I think really she's a good footballer. I think he just doesn't suit Manchester City. Do you remember this debate? We had it about 12 months ago when he got signed. And I said that to you. I was like... I thought I thought he would suit City. I thought he would. Well, he's a runner. He, he likes to get the ball, be the main man and run at people. City's game's not about that. It's about pass, move, create space. It's not his game. I think he. I think if I'm Jack Grealish, move to a different club. He should have gone to United, to be honest. I think United wanted him. I think they want to go over Donny Bandebeck. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if he goes to United, his career pans out differently because it's a different style. Um, nonetheless, I feel a well, bit bad. Well, what, one, one question I want to throw you, and I'll throw it to everyone in the live chat before we do wrap up, just on regards to the international sort of theme as we sort of do um, finish this stream and um, obviously looking ahead to the World Cup in a couple of months' time. We'll just look to the England team and feel free to name an England player if you do do wish to. But if you do, you do look sort of through our squad now, um, United will have sort of very sort of strong representation in the World Cup. So I'm just thinking, who are you thinking for the World Cup in a potential favourite? But from a selfish point of view and Man United point of view, who are you most looking forward to sort of representing that country and sort of watching at the World Cup from a point of view of, yeah, I think they could go win a World Cup. So I'd like to see him potentially get to a World Cup semi-final score and a World Cup final sort of thing. So who are you most likely sort of looking forward to watching at the World Cup? Because we've got some players in some big big nations now. Yeah, for sure. Um, if I – look, I'm going to I'm gonna go sentimental here. I hope Portugal go far. It's Ronaldo's last World Cup. I think that's being forgotten about. So for Ronaldo, I obviously hope he can go far. Uh, I think France will be there and thereabouts again. So it's valid to say, you know, Rafael Varane goes on and, and, and does things. Uh, and Martial, if he can get himself fit. I think he's yeah. a very good shot to get into that France side. 
Um, Viking football here saying Anthony. I got to say, I thought he was very disappointing today. Didn't he's disappointing. It was just. It wasn't in the some, game, though. It was just, it didn't get involved. In, in terms of players like that, which I agree, didn't get involved, wasn't in the game. If there's one position on the pitch in terms of think of your match review of any match in sort of you've done in history, if there's if there's one position on the pitch who you can say, oh, didn't get involved, it's not a midfielder, it's not a centre-back, it's not a full-back, it's one of the wingers. Sometimes a game pans out where they just don't get involved. That's how sometimes that happens. Now, yes, you can sort of hold that player accountable and make them responsible for going and get themselves involved. But is that the right thing? I think Anthony provided balance. Yes, wasn't a standout, wasn't good, wasn't bad. It was just one of those games that sort of drifted by him. I think it'd be better for it. He's one of those players we do have to look at potential minutes. Didn't get those minutes at Ajax. So, um, yeah, no, no, no concerns for me at the moment. For sentiment, I'm going to say Ronaldo and Bruno at the World Cup. You know, I love Bruno Fernandes, you know that. Uh, Ronaldo goes without saying. What I will say, for comical reasons, I hope Brazil win. I want to see Fred with a World Cup trophy. <laughs> Fred and Casemiro, then they come back to Manchester United's bench. They go win the World Cup with Brazil, <laughs> then come back <laughs> behind McTominay and Ericsson at yeah. Old Trafford a bit. I, I think Brazil, well, you'd, we also have to look at Argentina in regards to we're talking about um, Ronaldo and Portugal, but obviously Messi and Ronaldo, their last World, potentially last World Cups each. And you look at, yeah. we do have um, Lissandro Martinez in the Argentine oh, side. He just got called up. Is Messi he's, two years younger than Ronaldo? He's three. Uh, I mean, maybe even two, three or four, one of them. But I'm sure someone in the live chat will know. But um, who else was the player in regards to Lissandro Martinez? I'm um, sorry, Terrell Malassia just got called up to the Dutch team as well. So it looks like he potentially will is pretty much on the books to go to Qatar as well. So, you know, we'll have good representation. You do look in the Australian group. We also have Christian Eriksen playing against Australia. We have Hannibal for Tunisia. He'll go with Tunisia. He'll be playing against Australia and obviously the French team in regards to Rafael Varane and potentially, fingers crossed, Anthony Martial. Here's a question. Will Paul Pogba um, beat the World Cup? The money would suggest potentially not at the moment. He hasn't He hasn't kicked the ball for Juventus yet. So, yeah. man, the way his career... Paul Pogba is so interesting, Tom. I think I, I said it to you maybe six or so months ago, when you get to the end of this guy's career, he's going to be one of those players, not quite not quite Gaza, um, but he'll be one of those players where you're like, what could have been? He just didn't come anywhere near fulfilling his potential. I remember seeing that interview that the, it was in the Tottenham documentary, Tottenham's Amazon documentary, where Jose Mourinho is talking to Deli Ali, And Jose Mourinho was on the lines. I forget what age he said, but he said, today I'm 55. Yesterday I was 18. That's how quick time flies. And I think when you retire, Deli Ali, I think when you retire, you're going to look back in your career and regret your decisions and regret your career. And I'd, I'd hate, I hate to sort of label that at Paul Pogba. But even since Paul Pogba walked through the door at Manchester United, I just thought, oh, God, just could he change this and that? Like, will he regret that when he leaves Manchester United? When he... And then I always look at it and say, well, no, he won't because he's got a World Cup winner's medal. Maybe he's achieved the pinnacle in world football. However, there is just that thing with Paul Pogba. And here, I hate to go in on him because he's not a Man United player anymore. So we bash him enough over the years. But he should have been the best in the world. He, behind Ronaldo and Messi, he should have been that next player. On ability, he... On ability... He was better than Yaya Torre, but Yaya Torre had a phenomenal Premier League career. You know what I mean? Like in, they're the most comparable because they're both obviously they got the big physique, six foot three, six foot four, and the way Yaya Torre had the dribbling ability, the power, the way to get through midfields, but he also had the passing range, the shot. Pogba had all of that in abundance. He just never found a way to put it together. 
Yeah, well, look, unfortunately, fingers crossed him and his personal life, sort of that situation gets sort of resolved quickly and with no sort of further issues. But um, My brother doesn't yeah. like him. But, but, but as I was saying, like, not in a bad way, but he's not Man United's problem anymore. Let Juventus deal with him. Let Juventus and France deal with him. But before you we do say, wrap up, Larry. say someone's body or an animal or something was buried under the Old Trafford turf? No, I think that was a bit of a bit tongue in cheek. <laughs> he buried something. <laughs> uh, I don't think that was a uh, quite accurate, but did obviously cause um, a bit of a good Twitter debate until it was probably debunked. But um, uh, anything else, um, sort of, to your fancy in regards to Man United before we sort of do wrap up? I think we've covered it all. Um, enjoy your next sixteen days without Manchester yeah. United, my friends. Watching this video, uh, we'll obviously bring content to you. Tom, do you want to tell the people about? the awesome guests that we are honoured to have over the weekend. Yeah, I'll be sending a message straight after this. He's flying to Bahrain at the moment. As I said on the last stream, we've got Mohamed Makayev coming on the podcast. If you don't know him, um, he's a UFC fighter. Um, he fights in the UFC flyweight division. He's a UK fighter um, originally from Dagestan. Well, everyone knows, obviously, Dagestan in regards to um, Khabib and sort of the, the fighters that do come from there. He is a very dominant uh, wrestler, very undefeated. A huge amateur record and obviously undefeated in the professional ranks in the UFC as well. He's potentially, and not biased, obviously, because he's a man, we're getting him on because he's a Man United fan. Um, if you do look at his career, he's potentially going to be the best in the world. And I think it'll be fascinating, Larry, to pick his brain in regards to what one of the players I'm going to sort of, sort of throw at him is Lissandro Martinez. We talk about Lissandro Martinez and his warrior like spirit. He's a true fighter. If he gets a knock on the ankle, he rolls around. But face to face, no, I'm not criticising him for that. That's just the way he does. That, that's all footballers. But we call it where he gets up and we call him a fighter. We call him he's fighting for the badge. He's a warrior. Mohamed Makayev will get punched in the face and won't even flinch. And I'm just thinking it'll be very interesting to get his take on what he values in terms of does he class a player like that as fighting and sort of show that warrior-like spirit. He, he, he might do. I, I think he could very well do that. But it'll be fascinating to see that because we don't possess the DNA to go and sort of stand in our underwear in a cage in front of millions of people and be in there with a trained killer and fight them. We don't possess that, whatever it takes to do that. He does, so I think he'll have, sort of sort of give us a fascinating insight into that sort of way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone who, who anyone who participates in combat sport, particularly at the professional level, you know, you're a brave man. Uh, did you see? Uh, I know, I know, it's rugby league players, and it wasn't in terms of pure quality. Paul Gallen. Yesterday, uh, he had two boxing matches on the same night. Oh, was it? Uh, I thought that was next week. No, I, I didn't catch that, but I knew that was happening. Yeah, yeah, he had, he had two matches on the same night. He won both, pretty sure. Well, so, he, he, he's a player, he obviously, after his rugby league career, obviously dedicated his time to boxing. He wasn't just going in doing these charity things. Yeah. He sort of he put the time and he's reaping a reward, so fair play to him. But as I said, um, that'll come out as a pre-record. We'll try and record it maybe this time tomorrow. So do keep an eye out um, over the weekend for that. So make sure you are subscribed and sort of turn notifications on so you'll be notified as soon as that goes up. And, um, yeah, as I said, hopefully that'll be up before the weekend finishes. And obviously there will be no football to discuss, but Larry and I will definitely have um, plenty of content coming your way throughout the international break. If you do have any topics or ideas, do send us a message on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or leave a comment in one of the videos. For the next week. We'll start doing some scouting. Uh, well, for, of- for us in Sydney, 9.30 p.m. kickoff tomorrow. Um, so that's not a bad one. Wolves against Manchester City. Diego Costa, 1-0. Oh, I'd love it. <laughs> you would love it. I would love it. What? This is a test. What would you rather? Um, what, 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 
sort of would you rather in terms of the spectacle, in terms of Man United fan watching? Are you more looking forward to Lissandro Martinez against Erling Haaland or Lissandro Martinez against Diego Costa? No, Haaland. Definitely Haaland. I, um, he, he's, I think the media is pumping him up a little bit. I've got to be honest. Like, I can't remember who said it the other day. Um, I can't. Was it Gary? I don't think it was Gary Neville. Nonetheless, I'll stay on. I'll stay on point. A commentator. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. They played yesterday, didn't they? A great goal by Haaland, by the way. Ridiculous. But what I will say is, uh, they're saying, "Oh, he's he's a physical specimen. He he's getting in defenders' heads before he even touches the ball. He's he, he's difficult to handle. He's strong. He, like, please, like he's a poacher. You know what I mean? He he is just." the most clinical poacher that's potentially ever existed. But this whole, you know, he's physical and he's not actually, his game isn't based on physicality at all. Uh, he's not good in the air. I disagree with that commentary too. He's not good in the air. He, he's just six foot five. Which yeah, he, he's physically good in the air. I don't think the technique and sort of is good in the air. But, he, yeah, if you're that big like Marouane Fellaini, is actually quite stupid in terms of his decision-making in the air, but he just won so many because he didn't have to jump. Um, it's one of those ones. Um, Viking here with a few ideas in regards to this sort of content we can have out. I'm sure there'll be a story in regards to transfers with no football. I'm sure we'll get some sound bites from the club in regards to the January transfer window. Just to finish on this just to finish on this question, Larry, um, quick one. Before January, who scores more goals for United, Ronaldo or Rashford? Ooh, that's a good question. How many has Rashford scored this year? Is he on three? He's on three, yeah. Three. Sancho and Rashford are tied for top goal scorer at the moment on three. I'm going to say Ronaldo. It's a tough one, yeah. I couldn't split it. You flip a coin today, I say Ronaldo. Tomorrow, I say Once Rashford. Once Ronaldo gets going, he'll, I think he'll score lots quickly. Fingers crossed. Uh, whoever United's it is. football will improve, right? Like United will become more fluid with the ball. Uh, and once Ronaldo is match fit, I mean, he, he's the more natural goal scorer, you know. So I'm going to say Ronaldo. As long as both are scoring, um, yeah, definitely don't care. But look, Larry, it has been an enjoyable Friday night stream, bit of a late night edition, but um, enjoyable as always. Um, as I said, make sure you do leave a like on the video on your way out and make sure you are subscribed, obviously, for that um, special UFC fighter, Mohamed Makayev, we're going to have on over the weekend. And um, Larry, any parting words, mate? Pleasure, mate. Have a great weekend to everyone watching. Make sure you hit a big like on the video. If you are new here, make sure you do hit that subscribe and uh, we'll definitely catch you in the next couple of days. Yep, everyone have a good weekend and um, we'll chat to you when we chat to you. Cheers. Cheers.